You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast that explores the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. You can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter and Instagram at TheBatmanBC. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan, Lauer spelled like lower. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network hosted by BatmanOnFilm.com. Just go to BatmanPodcastNetwork.com for a whole list of other nerdy shows that we love to frolic about in our free time. You can also write into the show with uh, questions or comments and concerns. Go to Eric Holzman at thebatmanbc at gmail.com. And lastly, if you would ever be so kind and please take 30 seconds out of your day to rate and or review the show at Apple Podcasts, it would help spread the word. And the word is panic. Now, I did not have a typo in the title of this episode. We are bringing in some Marvel for this episode. We're talking Batman Punisher. The combination of the two, something that nobody thought could ever happen, has happened over 20 years ago. I'm just a little late to the party. And of course, I did not plan on doing this alone. I brought in the big guns, a Marvel zombie himself. He is from the Comic Binge podcast. No, it's not Chris Cloud, but it's the next best thing. It is Paul Herman. Paul Herman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. This is a uh, this is an honor. Truly is. And I mean that. And I, I keep telling you, and I'm, I told other people, I've told Ryan Haas this, I tell Justin this, I tell Chris Cloud this, your show is phenomenal. And I think it is one of the best Batman podcasts out there. I love it. Your passion is just oozes out of every episode and just, it, it is so consistently just out there whenever I need a Batman show to listen to and, and read comics. And I, I told you before we recorded, and I'm going to tell everyone right now. When everyone gets excited about the Batman, when it comes out and everyone's all excited and they're going to be devouring, looking for books to read, your show is going to be the key because you're going to have like a million shows to listen to and for things for people to read and like just dive into and to binge on. And that is so crucial to me and to have that as a resource for someone who you know wants to dive into Batman. And I know the character decently well. Uh, but when I when I want to dive in and binge the character and I want I just want to consume as much Batman as I can, your show is going to be just the perfect thing for people to go back and listen to. So just I just I love the show. It's a great show, man. And it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you, Paul Herman. Coming from the podcast professional that you are, uh, that that's very that's very kind uh, for anyone who may not know for some stupid reason why don't you quickly tell us about your show the comic binge well the, the comic binge is just a kind of like your show is is well except your show is a lot better than ours um don't stop it it's, it's true <laughs> no your your show is awesome our show is strictly just a awesome comic binge is yeah thank you i do appreciate that thank you uh is <laughs> a show with my very good friend chris clow and we just pick a pick a, t- a comic book and we talk about it and we try to have it 
strictly beyond the the subscription services like uh comiXology or dc infinite now i guess is what it's called now it's a new year um and the marvel unlimited uh you know subscription services now we've kind of gone deviated a little bit as of recently on a few shows and we may still do that but most of the stuff we talk about will be available on this because the show is designed for people kind of like your show where it's like it's designed to have people read the book and want to talk about it and kind of listen and like you know break it down like what what does it mean for maybe whatever and it it's for us we're trying to get people into comic books like because the problem is not just and it's not just marvel and dc it's everything it's an intimidating uh medium to get into because it's such a niche medium at this point and i say at this point because i've kind of as of last year and it's kind of and, and now it's like gotten deeper my goal is to have the comic binge or just or my goals in general to make comics more of a, of a, of a more accepted medium and I, I know it's like i i can't do that by myself but that's kind of my goal is to make comics more accessible and more uh, easy for people to get into. And I think having a podcast like this, like, Hey, after you read the, what, like, for instance, we did um, our first episode, one of our first episodes, we had Ryan Haas on, we talked about uh, the man who laughs with the Joker. Uh, and we read Batman year one and then the man who laughs. And we kind of said, Hey, if you want to read more Batman, you like this, these two, these two uh, comic book series, here's where you go after that. I mean, sometimes, you know, not everyone knows where to go. So it, it, we try to keep recommend things for people to read that are on these subscription services so they can get into comic books. And, uh, that's kind of my goal. And plus if you just love it, or if you're like us and you just love comic books, it's like another comic book podcast to listen to and kind of get into. So it's that's what the show is and it's a it's very much a love letter to just comic books and uh chris is just a a phenomenally smart person and when you put a smart person with a dumb person sometimes (laughs) you you might get uh an entertaining show so that's kind of what uh our goal is is to kind of have people you know love comic books because we love the medium you know to death and so uh again i mean that's a big reason why i love your shows i love comic books and you are just doing an awesome comic book show so so yeah i i it's just yeah it's a it's it's very much a labor of love uh for us and we have a new episode we haven't put it out yet but we recorded a uh, daredevil episode uh basically i always butcher the name of the title of, of the of the the uh, storyline, but it's basically fall of the Kingpin from the early nineties and Lee weeks is the penciler. And he is just his work in that, in that those comic books are so good. And um, anyway, we, 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 we actually had the, uh, the, one of the biggest daredevil fans in the world, the man without fear website, uh, guy who runs that site. I think this might be his, like his first ever podcast. We, I managed to convince him to come on super cool dude. And, uh, yeah, so he jumped on with us and talked about uh, issue twenty-five of the, the new Chips at RC series and kind of the fallout from that. And we also talked about obviously the fall of the Kingpin. I think issues like three ninety-seven to three hundred. So that episode will be dropping soon, and then we've got more books on the way. So we try. I we would try to do it every week or three times a, a month, kind of a thing. And the holidays kind of screw that up. But we'll be two to three times, two to three episodes a month coming up here. I'd say, hopefully soon, uh, restarting that everything again. But yeah, big, uh, big comic book fan, obviously. And uh, yeah, the thanks for uh, having me on, man. Absolutely, and I really like what you guys have done for the show. Well, first of all, 
nobody can make you feel dumber than talking to Chris Clow. No, Not because true. he calls you an idiot, but this guy is so freaking smart. I'm just, and he's using uh, very smart words. And I'm like, uh, cool, neat. <laughs> um, anyways, nicest guy on the planet too. Uh, secondly, I like what you guys have done in like, um, you started it with the three jokers and then now you're doing it with Warshak where you're kind you're doing like each issue as it's coming out. And those make for really cool discussions for someone like when they're keeping up with a, a mega series, you know, something like that of like, instead of just waiting until next year when it's all done, it's kind of like, we're going through the mm-hmm. going through each issue like together. And yeah. though my, and you're both like discuss it. Like it's very equally too. It's not like, Hey, we're just going to, we're going to love it or we're going to trash it. It's like a, it's a thorough discussion on the book where it just kind of seems also, you're not fully sure how you feel on the book yet. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think that's kind of where I'm at. And I think that's where others are at too with it. But I like that we're able to listen, listen in and keep like current with you guys on that. That's pretty fun. That's a nice addition. No, thank you. And that's something we're, we definitely have gone into a little bit more. And because of three jokers and I think, and, and Rorschach, cause I'm a big Watchmen fan. So, um, I love everything Watchmen. I mean, even the before Watchmen stuff, not everything before Watchmen is great, but an episode, a Watchmen episode. About yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We talked we had just- about before Watchmen. Nobody talks about before Watchmen. You guys did. So yeah. 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 And, and, and we'll probably talk about it in the future at some point. Um, again, a little bit deeper, but the but Rorschach was some you know with Tom King and I'm a Tom King fan so I was very excited about this series and uh and I, th- I think it's worth talking about I know Chris has been kind of I don't know if it's worth talking about every episode by itself but I, and I almost agreed with him after the second one but after reading this third I'm like actually I'm a Chris let's talk about this so there, there's <laughs> there's lots of cool stuff the three Jokers episodes are some of my favorite episodes of a podcasting I've ever done and. Yeah. A big reason why is because one, the book's freaking amazing. And, uh, and second, uh, that it's just, it was, it was a great, it, the way it was broken down was perfect for us to kind of, you know, and, and how it really dealt with the themes heavily and, and heavily enough to where they weren't like hitting you over the head with it necessarily, but they were really yeah. pivotal for the characters themselves. So it was, yeah, that was, and we got really deep uh, in, in, in a good way, I thought really deep into those stories. And, uh, I was actually there. I don't know if you remember the, me saying this in the episode, but the, thir- the last, uh, three jokers episode, I was there, uh, and witnessed Chris reading the last issue and like, cause he was eating a burrito while, and I was sitting yeah. across from him and he's like, <laughs> I see his face light up at that one page where, uh, Spoiler, if you haven't listened, read the issue yet, listen to Bannon podcast. You should, you should have read this already. Yeah, uh, read but it. when he saves Joe Chill from the Joker uh, bath, I mean, I saw, I literally saw uh, Chris's eyes go bright, big, and <laughs> and I knew exactly because I couldn't see what page he was on because he's reading the book physically, and I was sitting across from. Him. I think I was talking to his wife Rachel for a few minutes. And uh, I've kind of, you know, just kind of checking in, looking at Chris while he eats his burrito and he, or he's eating something. And all of a sudden his eyes go, and I was like, yep, he got there. It was so cool. And he, yeah, it was a, that, that specific episode, the issue three episode was just, we just 
dove into that thing, man. And that's, that's the kind of stuff I love. I love getting deep in, in the stuff and what, you know, not every comic book is going to be that deep, right? We'll, we'll, which again, we'll get into that because there's a, yeah, we kind of do, we kind of fall into the little bit of an interesting, uh, a thing with that kind of idea in these, uh, Punisher Batman comics, which I'll get into, but yeah, great fun stuff. Thank, I appreciate it, man. And we'll do more, uh, stuff like that. I hope to have a review issue three of Rorschach here in the next few weeks. Sweet. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff, Paul Herman. Now, before we dive into the, the main event for today, I want to ask you, since this is your first of hopefully many times on the Batman book club, what is your favorite Batman story? It's easy. And I've, I've said this many, many times and no one will probably believe me now, but uh, my favorite story all time uh, is the Dark Knight Returns, mm. and the reason. And now the reason is, and this is where people don't probably will never believe me, but I'm not a liar. <laughs> people who know me know I'm, <laughs> I'm honest to a fault, and this is not who you know. I'm just I'm never I'm always a, I'm just it's my personality for better or for worse. And uh, I grew up on the Dark Knight Returns, and the reason why I did was because my I have an older brother. He's six years older than he's six years older than, than I am. Excuse me. And, uh, he is the one that got me into comic books and he was buying random, uh, stuff when I was, you know, he was 12, I was six or whatever. So, uh, when he was like 12, 13, uh, Batman 89 was coming out. And so Batman fever was just starting to build and he got this book before 89, right, right around that time. Like, like it was before 89 was really ramping up, but it was like, right, like, Batman was starting to kind of get bigger anyway, but, um, he brought for whatever reason, I'm not sure if he got it from a friend or he tra- whatever, but he all of a sudden just showed up with Batman, the, the, uh, dark Knight returns graphic novel, the original graphic novel. Um, and I would look through that thing like countless times because I was so excited for Batman 89 coming out. We both were just excited. And if you look, if you know that comic at all, a six-year-old should not be looking at that comic by any <laughs> means. And that just shows you how clueless my parents were. And and uh, to be honest, it kind of shows you how people kind of treat the medium of comic books. Like, oh, it's a kid medium. It's all for kids, you know, and which is not the case. And The Dark Knight Returns is pretty much like the first like mainstream superhero comic book, I would say, as far as that's probably deals with adult themes like that and should not be read by a six-year-old Uh for the most part, I, I would say mo- it's actually pretty okay. I'd say for the most part, except for there's that that Nazi lady's boobs that are just exposed. That's probably not the best uh, thing, and people's heads, you know, getting beat or get beat to down and everything. And besides a couple of those things, it's, it's it's okay. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so um, but I I've I before I could even read Ryan, and and this is this is why I think I love the 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 medium of comic books so much is that. I didn't need to read the picture or read the the captions to understand the story. And that to me is what makes a comic so good is because you could, you don't need, if you're like me when I was a kid and not read well at the time or read at all, I didn't need to read the, the captions. I could just look at the pictures and tell exactly what was going on for the most part. And I got to tell you, and that's, I think that's why I love comic books is because of things like the dark Knight returns is because that I could just read the or re- look at the pictures and read the story that way and not have to worry about, um, you know, the 
um, the story and, and, and figure out like what's going on. I guess I understood like, here comes a Joker. Ba- Joker's bad. Batman fights him, you know, and the way it was told was so beautiful. And, and like the splash pages, I mean, it is a tour de force of just art and of the medium. And, and it's just a, a beautiful story. It really is. And so I, I just, i grew up on that and I, I, ha- I still have the original graphic novel, but it is ripped to shreds because it's been looked through so many times by me and my brother. And it's like the pages are falling out and it's just a, it's a mess, but I grew up on that stuff and that was my Batman. And like all those beautiful pages that Frank Miller did of like the picture of Batman holding the, the person, I forgot who it was at this point in my head, but it's a, he has the American flag. Is it, they're in the American flag and it's like kind of black and red and oh, it's black background and oh, it's just a beautiful picture. And there's that picture. The obviously the first uh, full splash page of Batman where he's kind of floating in air with a big yellow symbol. And it's just, oh, I mean, even Superman versus Batman, like that was such a mind blowing moment for me because I, you know, you grow up, you knew who Superman was and Batman was, but I mean, like seeing them fight and you see Batman beat Superman, it honestly made me didn't, I didn't even think about superman being this all-powerful being i just thought he was just an you know a superhero like he had super strength whatever and batman figured out how to beat him but like as i got older i realized that was a bigger deal than it than it than it when i when i was a kid because of superman being so powerful like oh man like i didn't realize that that was actually a pretty big deal so yeah dark Knight returns will always be my favorite batman comic book and i see people try to poo-poo it all the time because you know Cause it's cool to kind of like, not like Frank Miller now before it was like, you know, like 10 years ago, it was like, Oh my God, Frank Miller's the God and, and the dark at returns in year one, like, you know, whatever. And I see people now try to be like, you know, dark at returns kind of overrated. I'm just like, dude, no, no. Like dark at returns <laughs> well, is, is amazing. I, I don't think. Oh, I don't want to say the power of comics because the, the author of the current black label series, Joker, Harley criminal sanity. Her name is Cami Garcia. She mm-hmm. wrote like an op-ed for, um, for the today show on NBC basically. And, and had like evidence to back it up of like the positive effects for, for kids reading comics and how comics should absolutely count as books for reading as kids and it it is an introduction to reading it get kids into reading and not to not to mention it also connects like words with emotions because we're constantly Mm -hmm. seeing we're seeing the you know the facial expressions drawn on each page and panel and sometimes you can follow a story by just looking and watching like the pictures only so so for the fact of like comics got me into reading for sure and Mm -hmm. granted you know what i think you reading or looking at the dark Knight returns at that age has helped shape the man that you are today. And, so. uh, the end result <laughs> is pretty well. So I think go ahead. All, all six year olds should get a copy of the dark Knight returns. Woo, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd let my Watch daughter. Uh, yeah. I don't know. If, it's funny. Cause in saying that I look, thinking about myself. I'm like, if I gave my daughter the dark Knight returns to read at six years old, I'd be like, about that i don't know i mean i honestly don't know i mean i'm a little bit little more liberal with art and really quick again you knew you were getting, you're getting into this with me with you're gonna go over an hour so just just know that right now um oh yeah quick story for you and everyone here and this is kind of this is something i don't like sharing it's a little bit of embarrassing it's a little embarrassing oh. for me Ooh, no no, okay. no 
No, no, this is this and for you and your audience, I think I, I feel comfortable talking about this because I just talked about it with my parents yesterday. Um, because we're talking about this very subject about comic books and getting kids into reading and things like this. So it's funny you say that because, and I need to read, uh, text me that uh, article, by the way. I did not know this person did this, and I, now I'm like very intrigued. Uh, when I was a kid, I was put into special education. And a big reason why was because I was just was, was, was behind on a lot of things. And, and to be quite honest, I just, my, I have ADD and I have, I had a hard time focusing and I don't think people really knew how to like figure out what was, you know, why you have a problem, like retaining information. And, and also I just hated school. I just hated like going to school. Just never, I just, even as I got older as a kid, I just never liked doing it. I just want to do my own thing and, and whatever. But I was put into special education and, um, you know, and if you are familiar with, uh, special education, you have things called IUPs and you basically like kind of, you, you meet your parents and you basically say like, well, you know, so-and-so is this far along and whatever. Right. Well, I've gone through a ton of these and as I got older and could finally read, uh, you know, and whatever, uh, I remember, I'll never forget in my eighth grade IUP. And this is a, the, probably my the height of my reading comic books. I've been reading comics for a long time, actually reading them instead of just looking at the pictures. And um, finally, uh, we're sitting down and they're going like, oh, you suck at math, basically. I mean, these are my words, not theirs. Uh, you know, you, you're not good at that. You know, you're, you're below in this, you're below in that. I'm like, okay. And they go, so I was in eighth grade. And they go, well, here's what's really interesting. They said, your reading level comprehension is actually above the eighth grade like level. So I was in special education. I was below all these other things. I didn't, and the big reason why is I didn't care about those subjects and I struggled in them. And they go, but your reading comprehension is above the, what it should be. And they kind of go all those. And they kind and this is what's so fascinating, Ryan. They laughed. They said, Oh, cause they knew all those comic books. He said, they said those, Oh, the, reading those comics finally paid off. <laughs> and I was just, I'll never forget that going, then why don't you let me read more comics in school? Like, I didn't say that at the time because it was kind of like a kid, but I'm like, why don't you know exactly what that, that writer I'm assuming is saying, like, it's a great introduction to reading. And you know, that's the thing. I like, I love reading comics and I had like, and it really improved my reading and yeah, it's not a novel. And that's the thing. I, to this day, Ryan, I cannot sit down and read a novel and comp and, and, and comprehend what it's telling me completely. And I have to read it like multiple to a page, multiple times to understand. Cause I just don't, for whatever reason, my mind does not comprehend as reading words and processing, but I can read a comic book and know exactly what's going on and, you know, blow through it. So it's fascinating that like how that works. And like how you said, like kids, is comic books are such a great way for kids to read. And it's no, to me, yes, reading a novel is, is going to probably be quote unquote, uh, more, uh, illumin not illuminating. I wouldn't say that either, but it just be, it's more, um, a better way to process, process information and, and definitely makes you, you know, uh, problem solve and things like that better. But as far as just reading in general and getting into reading more, Nothing I think is better than comic books, in my opinion, because I, I, for me, for myself, I, that's how I read primarily, you know, I, I, I have Star Wars books that I can read and I read like, uh, history books and things. I love history, reading history and things like that. But, but I mean, praise God for audible because that's the only way I can read novels. It seems like these days anymore. So yeah, 
comic books are, I think, such a, and again, they laughed. They kind of this kind of like, like oh yeah, comic books, huh, kids. You know, that's the problem is that people treat it as this like, like this kind of adolescent medium, and it's not. And it should be considered more serious and a bigger deal. Like, hey, like there's something to these comic books. This this, this kid who struggles in other areas is a higher comprehension of reading because they read comic books. Maybe we should look into this. You know, it's just it's it's as the comic binge says. Read more comics. And as I stole from you and altered and asked if it was okay, read more Batman comics. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you remember me texting you that and asking you like, dude, I want to say, can I read more Batman comics? Is that okay? I don't, I don't want to feel like I stole your I, stuff. And you're like, uh, yeah, idiot. I was like, dude, have yeah. Show <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That was my caveat. Like, I want to be on your show. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. I want everyone to, to use a hashtag because it's not about ownership of, and that's the thing with me is like, I'm not looking for, I'm not in this game. And I say game like podcasts and, and, and all this stuff to like for notoriety. Like that's not my, that's never my intention. My intention is to like talk about the things I love. Cause I love comic books. I love the characters. I love the, the mediums or whatever. Like that's why I'm in this, you know? I mean, if I had, if I get like about people- the money, it's about sending a message. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Joking. but yeah, that I, I I love that and and so Batman Return or Batman the Dark Knight Returns is um my favorite all time Batman story yeah that that's a long I way of saying there's that. gonna be many people arguing with you on that and actually uh, later this year we'll see how 2021 goes um, we were in for a doozy last year but there it is on the schedule this year so I can't wait um, to, I can't wait to, to hear about it turns turns 35 this year so there you go now paul you're a funny man because when i when i asked you about coming on the show you were like a little bit of a kid in a candy shop because i don't think you could settle just on one on one story and we do and i'm not going to say what it is but we do have we've already been discussing of uh something ambitious that we're going to do with a couple other gentlemen but when it came to you picking a show to be on or picking a story to be on by yourself um I think you had your mind on something else. And then I tweeted out a picture of something that I'd picked up of a uh, Punisher Batman comic. And you were like, dude, can we talk this for your show? And I'm like, "Uh, sure, absolutely. And then you told you informed me that there are two of them and I had no (laughs) idea. So Batman Punisher and Punisher Batman, the the crossover of two characters one from Marvel Comics, one from DC Comics, and you know a lot more about this happening in the 90s than I do. I know that there was a Batman Spider-Man comic, and that is all that I know. But according to you, there was more. Yeah, so this is this is very much in my wheelhouse. I actually have never read these comic books before the show. I, oh, nice. I have actually, yeah. So I actually wanted to read them for years and just never got around to it because I, one, forgot about it. And two, I just, you know, just, oh, I'm very much a, I want to I want to wait for the right time kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is, it's also. Well, that, that totally inf- like affects your opinion of something. Think of a TV exactly. show or a movie or something. You're, you're not in the right mood and you're like, yeah, it was okay. You revisit it mm-hmm. where you feel like the window's open. You're like, hold on. What was I missing? This was fantastic. It, and which is very much one of my, uh, what happened in one of my favorite movies, Blade Runner. It took me oh. a couple of different times of watching it. I just wasn't in the right mood to watch it a couple of times. And I finally got it on like the third watch. 
And because I, I liked some of it, and then I'd watch like you know a couple, you know, whatever. And then I'd watch it this third time, and I'm like, hey, all right, I get this movie, and I freaking love it. And I just, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, obviously, we're talking about Batman, not Blade Runner. So with with these comic books, with Marvel and DC crossovers, we're going back to the 70s. So we're going back to where uh, uh, Superman and Spider-Man teamed up and it was written by Jerry Conway, drawn by Ross Andrew. And it was very much a, this kind of thing that they basically, they be Marvel and DC, they, they, they made a big notoriety from it. They, they came in the magazine format. I actually had the original uh, first Super or Spider-Man, Superman crossover comic book magazine uh, format, um, kind of like what Black Label does, kind of that size. And so, um, they put those books out. They were a big success, and they got they kept pushing them out, you know, for again to promote all their books. And what and now I'm not sure how they again off the top of my head, I don't remember what happened in the 70s with these books, how they worked. Um, but you would get two Superman, Spider-Man or yeah, Superman and Spider-Man crossovers. And then you got for, for you, the Hulk and Batman crossover. Okay. Which is a (gasps) very random, uh, crossover. And not only that, but if you knew the, the characters they used for the crossover, you're just like, what? Cause they used the Joker. Okay. That's weird. It's not weird, but. It's for the Hulk, okay? But they also use the obscure character from the Hulk universe, uh, the Shaper of Worlds. And I, to this day, I've only read like one other comic book with the Shaper of Worlds, and it is just a bonker story. It's just <laughs> so weird. It When I read it now, I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I've only read it once, and it's been a long time since I've read it. But I remember reading it, being like, "I just don't get this." It's just you know, again, maybe it will read better now. I don't know, but um, and they came out with a Teen Titans X Men crossover. So they they did that initially, and they were making money and doing all this. And what happened was basically they they kind of fell out. They couldn't agree on certain things. And as two major companies like this, of course, and there's the infamous Avengers and JLA crossover that never happened, which that's been, you can read all about that. It's actually a really fascinating story, to be honest. Um, I think so. Uh, Rob Liefeld actually talks a lot about it in uh, one of his podcasts, which I recommend. Um, So fast forward to the nineties. Okay. And one of the reasons why, and I didn't even realize this until I've done a little bit of research even before the show, because I didn't know I was even on the show, to be honest, Ryan, I just kind of remember hearing about it in different podcasts and different things. But basically in the nineties, you got a lot of DC Marvel crossovers. And the reason why you did is because DC and Marvel were trying to trump image because image was killing their bottom line, both companies. Now, I would say that Marvel was probably was still doing a little bit better than DC at the time because image started immediately become like pushing DC as a second to third publisher. Um, and so again, that's not a dig at DC. It's just the reality of, of it was, is that Marvel has been, was 
as a whole is doing, I think, commercially better, but they, they took a hit with Image and then DC really was like, okay, we got to do something about this. That's why you got the death of Superman. That's why you got all these different big event crossovers to change these characters to basically counter Image. So, and so I'll, I'll talk about Image at this point. So when you got that, you got all kinds of DC Marvel crossovers and immediately they sold very well. That's why you got so many of them. Cause like you were unaware of a lot of these books, right? Ryan. So you not only, so you got the DC versus Marvel crossover event, which was a, a really ridiculous uh, story. And uh, which I would love to do on the show one day. Cause Batman's definitely in it. He's not in it prominently, but there's some cool stuff in there. Um, but you not only got those, but you got the amalgam stuff, the dark claw. I'm not sure if you know who dark claw is. Um, for those who don't know, that's literally Wolverine and Batman put together. And it's actually a pretty cool, I think, comic book myself. Uh, it's very much uh, just very 90s if you ever see the character. But what's cool is the the second round of Amalgam comic books that is basically DC Marvel together. It's uh, dark, the they have the the tales of the of the Dark Claw that's done in the animation style of the Batman the Animated Series. Wow. Um. So again, I'm, are you familiar with that story at all? Or those comics? No, not at all seriously oh my goodness uh yeah and uh robin and jubilee are combined and it's a very interesting uh i'll never forget this is a true story too back in the 90s when i'm looking to i bought these comics in the comic shop and brought them into the car my mom's driving me home and she go and looking through it she's like what's that i'm like look mom it's wolverine and batman together and she goes and she saw Jubilee uh, in Robin's character. And she goes, oh, is that Jubilee? Oh, she looks cute in that outfit. Like, Because she's in Robin's outfit. <laughs> it's so, so that funny. Robilee or Jubin? I don't I, I think she's I, I think like she's Jubin. Just, <laughs> I, I don't know what her name was because uh, Sabretooth and Joker were combined and they were the, the, the jackal or not jackal, the hyena. That wow. uh, was his name. Uh, okay. But anyway, so Marvel and DC put all these different crossovers together. That I think that was the initial one. Then after that, you got a ton more. You got eventually the now Spider-Man Batman crossover, which probably should have been our first DC comic uh, episode, considering Spider-Man's my all-time favorite fictional character. But that's fine. We'll save it for a different episode. Um, and then you got that series. What's interesting is after that, Ryan, you had... Because because with the DC versus Marvel crossover, there was four issues. I, th- yeah, four issues. And what happened was, um, they rotated, uh, publishing each issue. So like one would get like so instead of like splitting it down the middle, they'd get one issue. You got one issue, and you put out each one, and you kind of, you, you know, you'd have your responsibility for one issue, and you got all the you know the receipts from that issue or whatever, right? And so the same thing happened for the amalgam comic books. So they all like split them down the middle and they, they got this many, they got that many and you put them out and, you know, and then when the, when the crossovers came out for like the characters, like the Punisher, like we're going to talk about years, two issues of Punisher and Batman. That's because each company put out one comic book. So you had the Marvel one and you had the DC one. And that happened for Batman and Spider-Man. It happened for, I think for most, there's a couple of uh, exceptions, I believe, but for the most part, they did like, for instance, there's a uh, dark side versus Galactus comic book that I think that one's just split down the middle. 
because they didn't do two of those, but most of them have two issues. So then each one, each company can put out their own. And when I say put out, it's not just for fin- financial reasons, but also creative reasons, because you have prom- prominent Marvel creators putting out the con- writing the story and then prominent DC writers writing the story, which again, a great segue into the Punisher Batman comic, because that's exactly what this comic book is or what we get from this comic book. So, or these comics we're about to cover. So uh, very, very interesting. And these, I think some of these stories are really good. Some of these stories are very bad and we're going to, we're going to get into that in this, uh, in this series. So I'm excited to talk about Punisher Batman and I'm just, so how do so you had no real knowledge of these crossovers? It sounds like I had no knowledge, like the Punisher and Batman seemed, didn't seem like a complete it seemed as if maybe I knew it existed. Maybe. And the Batman and Spider-Man through uh, various ways of obtaining things on the internet, I used to have a copy, but I never read it. And it might be on like a, my portable hard drive with other uh, items or something. But yeah, so as far as like those two outside of that had no idea. So I didn't, I didn't know about the Batman versus incredible Hulk. Um, either so i mean i mean it's just like and now as i've said before on stuff of on this show once you get older you start to realize adult things and how characters are owned by companies and it's all about money and so therefore you're never going to see characters clash against each other so this so it's like this is like a a rare circumstance that's actually that's actually pretty fun just the concept of batman Mm -hmm. batman and punisher in the same in the same book in which the first book it looks like, you know, they're going after somebody. Whereas the second book, it's like, it looks like it's a versus story. So at least you're kind of guaranteed like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to clash at some point. Right. And I thought it was funny how I, I saw this. So the second book, Punisher Batman, you open it up, it says deadly nights, Punisher Batman, deadly nights. And yeah, you would, I'd started reading it and Batman says in it about like, Oh, he was here last time, you know, something about like he was here last time when I wasn't here or whatever. And Punisher talks about he seems a little bit more refined now. And I'm like, wait, what? And then you'd said, yeah, there's another one. I'm like, oh, hell, I can't read the second one if I don't read the first one. Exactly. So let's go go into the first one first. Both books came out in 1994. Batman Punisher, Lake of Fire came out, I think it's like April of 94 and mm. this was still in the nightfall era uh written by denny o'neill artist barry kitson and james pasco and as you can see it's on the cover it's jean paul valley uh as as batman so he's got the claws and everything and then there is frank castle punisher holding a gun and shooting some peeps so i found these in back issue uh boxes at comic shops that's why it's always uh, Back issue hunting is just fun. Um, it is. It's also frustrating. It, it can be frustrating. Yes, if you're looking for something, it can be frustrating. But if you're just glancing, I've I've scored quite a bit. Uh, how much were these? By the way, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious. How much are these going for? This out there? Uh, I think I bought. So the first book was five dollars, and the second one was seven. That's not bad. No, I was really 
I mean, I'm like, these are not things that I see just on shelves all the time. They seem rare. They're in like great shape. I don't know that they were ever even read. Um, so $12 for, you know, for the two of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. And they're both yeah, first, cool. first printings. I don't know if they had multiple printings, but both first printings and everything. So that's what I, that's the version I read. What'd you read? How did you read it for the show? All right. So I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> there is very randomly. And now, this is how long I've been reading comics. People is that uh, and this is not that this far. I don't own these uh, original comics. These I don't think I do. But mm-hmm. um, back years and years ago on InStockTrades.com, this is not even. This is a free plug for you guys. In stock, uh, they had. Oh, these, I talk about them all the time. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're a great place. Uh, I caught the uh, these graphic novels of Marvel and DC crossovers from In Stock for Christmas. Uh, cause I asked for them for Christmas years and years ago and they were still available. And when they, when DC Marvel, for whatever reason, were putting these out and no one had bought these. Now they're well out of print and the, uh, Batman and, uh, Punisher comics, both of them are in this, uh, cr- graphic novel of, uh, DC Marvel cr- crossover classics too. Now, if it's funny, it says two, well, this one says, Oh God, this is, Oh my gosh, I'm missing three. God dang it. <gasps> anyway. Um, so what I have, I've, I have crossover classics edition one, which is the original one where I talked about Superman and Spider-Man, all that stuff. And so I have, they kept pushing these out and I've got, um, I have the, yeah, it's called crossover classics two, and it's great. And it's got both comics in there. I read them both. Um, I also have looked through them digitally through other means. Wink, wink. If you know what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've read them on through my, my original graphic novel that I got years ago that I've, have not opened and read enough to be honest, but I'm glad I own it. So it's, uh, very, very cool. Yeah. So that's how I read it through the, the crossover classics graphic novel that I own. Well, that, yeah. So the one that I'm looking it up now, as you, as you mentioned it and on Amazon, surprisingly, like the volume two is brand new 1799. That's not bad. So, that's, that's, no, that's, that's a good deal. That's good. Now, Crossover Classics Volume 1, $75. Volume 3, $114. So, <laughs> woo, three, what, What's crazy is Volume 3, I didn't know. I thought I had all the volumes. I didn't know Volume 3 even exists. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's funny. I'm going to look at what, what's in this book. Uh, so, as I look at the the first book, Lake of Fire... Mm-hmm. So the top left has on the cover has DC emblem and the top right has Marvel comics and Batman is mentioned first and Batman Punisher. So you can start to see right there. Oh, this is the DC uh, published one. And you open up mm-hmm. the book and look at the front credits and yes, published by DC comics and gives the DC, uh, you know, address at the time and all that. So the setup of the story is kind of simple for Punisher. Mm-hmm. For the Punisher in this first one is Jigsaw is in Gotham City. Period. End of story. To make sense of Batman's setup, Batman, um, he's looking for somebody stole formula for rocket fuel, and Batman's trying to find him, and it leads to a guy. Um, man, how did what's his name? Hold on. I had it written down, but I can't even. Is it Falcone or something? Not Falcone. It's a A man named Cass Reimer did it, but they don't know how to find it, and I do. 
Bruce Wayne's database tells me that Reimer has ties to a local criminal, Tony Bressy. Bressy. So, okay, we're already getting, we're already getting complicated now. Of yep. stolen rocket fuel, and this guy is suspect number one, and I got to go talk to this guy to learn about that guy who stole the rocket fuel. Okay, I had to read that a few times. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I love that Punisher's just like, hey, Jigsaw's at this place. I'm going to go shoot some people until they tell me where he is. I just love the simplicity of that. And it's overcomplicated on the John Paul Valley aspect of it. Because I don't know if I've said it on this show before. And Ryan Haas loves it when I like when I mention Azrael to him because he loves Azrael. I don't really? like Azrael. I don't like really? John Paul Valley. I, yeah, really? I'm just not I'm not really a fan. I don't like the Order of St. Dumas or anything like that. And that's, of course, incorporated, incorporated at the beginning of this story is it just kind of looks like a, a cavern of hell and people are burning in a fire. And then it's St. Dumas is overlooking it and he's the ultimate uh, decider of who's getting burned and stuff like that. And that and then that's how Jean-Paul Valley, like, that's his ideology that's what he bases his thoughts around and i'm just like like i just don't none of that clicks for me i don't really really care for that and so the the story which we can get it as specific as you want it's just kind of like their their heads clash because uh punisher's trying to like track down jigsaw and um ends up at a at a church where basically a nun poisons him and then uh it sets the place ablaze and Batman saves him. And yeah. yeah. So even going through this, it's like, it's kind of a wild. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's and, wild. That's one way of putting it. It's wild. Yeah. So it's in realization. They're both, they both talk of how, you know, they're both after bad guys, but then Batman is like, Hey, when we're done, I'm taking you in. And so ultimately, and oh yeah, and by the way, so Jigsaw ends up going after this Tony Bressy guy who owns a construction company, and Jigsaw wants to destroy a place so that the city will it will force the city to pay his construction company to rebuild the area that he destroyed. Like what the hell? (laughs) Oh god, overly complicated, I think. Uh, you think, uh, no, this is a, oh man, this story is for, for, okay. For the record. Yeah. I love Danny O'Neill. Yeah. Who does it? Yeah. Dude is a legend. Dude is a legend and a, a very good comic book writer. And this is not a good comic book. We'll just, I'm going to put it very bluntly. This is not a good comic. Um, I, I I do like Azrael Batman, okay, for reasons. Part Many of it because, I, and and part of it's because I that's the era that I grew up in, and I loved the new the different idea of a Batman. I will say the whole Saint Dumas uh, angle of Azrael uh, John Paul Valley is extremely complicated and weird, and doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'll never forget as a kid, I never understood what the hell the St. Dumas guy was. And I'm like, who is this? So if you have no idea who this character is, it is extremely complicated right off the bat with this whole lake of fire thing. And like, why is this guy who it's just, who, oh boy, it's, 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 it's wild. And 
yeah, this you're, you're right. You're right. You're you're completely right. This book is gets complicated from the very start of just introducing that idea to like a non Batman reader, a Marvel reader is like, what the hell? And then they read, you know, immediately with Batman or with Punisher looking for Jigsaw and the reason he's or he looking for looking for Jigsaw and Batman's explaining. Oh, it's, it's so complicated. And it and how he writes Punisher is so bad. Like, like, like Paul John, you know, Paul John Valley or John Valley is not, like, he doesn't write him terribly, but man, when Punisher's inner monologue is war journal, like stuff, oof, it's rough. And I hate saying that because I love Denny O'Neill and, but like just a lot of the things that he, you, you're put in the story just, just feels very, just not, doesn't feel natural to be quite honest. And it just feels very, you know, forced and it doesn't really see, I don't know. Did you get the same idea? Cause it felt very like by the numbers, like, well, I've got to be doing this. So here's this and here's my setup. It just seemed very formulaic slash. I got to get these two people together. Um, kind of an idea. And so it just, the whole story just seemed overly just complicated and just not natural and just seemed so just off. And it never got a footing for the story. And again, telling a one and done 48 page, 40 page, whatever story is not easy in a comic book. And especially well, when I, applaud, I applaud the ambition of trying exactly. to, like, we're not just trying to do some stupid or not stupid. Sorry. Like simple. Let's just make it really flashy for 48 pages. Like he, right. O'Neill tries to write a story. He tries to make every page count here. And like, I applaud that ambition and on the Batman aspect, especially Azrael, which, uh, Denny O'Neill was very, uh, what do you want to say? Comfortable with in the, in the nineties writing that character. Uh, I think he, he writes him kind of similar to how he is to where it, it's more of me like, Oh, it's to me, it's almost like it's more of the same John Paul Valley more of me. I just don't really care for him. So I feel, feel like that's a little consistent. Yeah. But on the side, I've never read. I, I just haven't read Punisher. So I don't know if this, it just sounds like uh, this is not how Punisher is usually written. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if this is normal, if this is better, if this is worse or how he's writing Punisher sure. in this. What do well, you think? Well, you I, <laughs> well, well, no, the, the, for me is, I, I have not read a crap load of Punisher comics uh-huh. and I, he's definitely not my favorite character of the Marvel universe. He's one of my probably least favorite, favorite characters. I think he's better as a supporting character or as a character that's kind of a, more of a mini series an ongoing series of Punisher comics. This does not interest me whatsoever, but I understand the appeal of the character. People who love guns. Mm-hmm. I personally don't love guns. So I just, am like, okay, I think there's definitely, um, I know there's, there's there's runs out there like by Garth Ennis that are are applauded and and Chris Clow will sit here and go you gotta read Garth Ennis and Punisher welcome back Frank I was like yeah, yeah that's that's fine that's fine I'll and I'll read it one day for the binge because Chris will make me I'm not the biggest Garth Ennis fan um so um anyway but no I, I feel like it just it just seems very by the numbers Frank Castle like oh Punisher he kills people he writes in a journal here it is. It's, there's no real thought to the character and 
it just, again, it feels very formulaic and just kind of, I got to, I got to get this guy in the story. So here he is. And it just doesn't feel right. It just never, it never feels natural. It never feels compelling to read Frank Castle Punisher in this comic specifically. And though that is my struggle with the character in general, I definitely think that this does not make it any easier for me to read. So again, and it's just, it's just weird to have Jigsaw. And, and those who don't know, Jigsaw is a character that's, it's a Punisher villain, it's obvious, but he is, it's just kind of a weird, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird, it's a weird setup. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. It just, it's, you're, you know, why is Jigsaw in Gotham? You're, you get a kind of an idea that he's trying to make money and it's just, yeah, it's just weird. And they have the whole, when he goes, you know, when he, when he hits up the bar and he talks to the, the, the crony and he says, you know, he's at, he's at a church. He's at a church. That's where they're meeting at. And, uh, you know, they don't know where, uh, you know, he doesn't know what he's walking. He's walking into this church, like totally free of any idea of what's going to happen. Seems kind of like a trap and it seems obvious. And it's like Punisher is not that dumb and he does. And then a nun splashes water on his face and it makes just like, what? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, so for people who don't have read the comic book and you don't plan on reading the comic, which again, I don't blame you reading this one. And he, Frank Castle walks in and Nun splashes water on his face, literally. And he's like, it's drugged water, apparently, that on his face, he is all of a sudden falling asleep. And then the church gets set on fire and then the, then he's trapped in it. And the nun's working for Jigsaw. And it's, I think it's the only time we see her. It's so weird. Yeah. I, it just, you can't, it's like, honestly, it just feels very, it just doesn't. It seems like like our legend, like Denny O'Neill, wouldn't write something like this, but he did. It's it's just kind of wild, and I think reading it the first time, so I made sure to read it twice, and I still could, I could read to, this again. I had to keep flipping back and forth to try and connect. Of like, wait, what is the what's the story? What's the connections here? Uh, I didn't I didn't know. So, like I said, I just I do. I think that Batman has written this version of Batman has written how he was at the time. So mm-hmm. the connecting, the connective tissue is with, with Punisher and Jigsaw and uh, okay. Is this normal or not? And maybe that's why it was, I kept getting confused, be- not just because I'm unfamiliar with this character in the comics, but maybe it's just because it's, it's not actually just written. It's not executed well. Yeah. And how, how is Jigsaw in this compared to the character normally, like, is this pretty much how that character is or? Yeah. Is I would say that's how it is. Yeah. He is. Okay. This is how he is usually. All right. goes to God pretty often. Um, I mean, we get, we get a bit of a, a showdown between, between the two at the end, a fight, which I like, cool and then it kind of works into nothing you're giggling because you didn't it's like just, it <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous it's like they team up because they have to apparently and okay the, there is one bright spot should i wait to save some of my favorite parts and favorite panels for later we'll get to that in probably like three minutes okay um, okay so the so basically they, they, they you know batman saves punisher 
oh, I, I heard of you. Yeah, I'm bringing you in. Or you know, they but we but I need you. They team up. They fight Jigsaw, and then they fight at the end because Batman's got to bring him in. And then like Saint Dumas shows up again, and Azrael's like. Cannot defeat the Punisher or whatever. I mean, whatever happens, I forgot. Yeah, no, excuse me. I've, I've got ahead of myself. He's just like, help me. I can't figure out what's going on here. And yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, again, I don't mind Azrael Batman and Azrael character that much, but like here, it's you could have not written Dumas in at all, and it would have been just fine. Yeah. In fact, it make it less complicated. Um, but maybe he's trying to fill up space. I don't know. But yeah, basically they team up, they fight Jigsaw, and then Batman's like, Good, bring you in. And then they're fighting. And I'm just like, first of all, as strictly speaking of of, of the ki- type of fighter that uh, Azrael Batman is and Punisher is, and the costume that the giant costume that uh, Azrael wears should have taken out the Punisher completely. And I know that Denny O'Neill has him fight and they're like, he cheats by that stupid grenade thing that he set up earlier in the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, not exactly. It's just like, no, no, not even that, that like Asriel Batman should have just taken out Punisher completely. I mean, I mean, you, you, yeah, you have, yeah, I have to make him put up a fight a little bit, I guess, but I'm just like, nah, there's no way. Asriel Batman should have mopped the floor with him. So, He's in my opinion. So anyway, yeah, it was, it was an okay fight to me. It's like the best part of the book um, is, is probably Barry Kitson's uh, fight between the two characters. Mm-hmm. Even though there's one panel in particular, I don't like and it's the, it's basically the first like punch thrown at Punisher by Azrael. And it, it's a, just a really weird like panel. It's like, what? It's just like, it's a Azrael basically miss like swinging and missing Frank castle. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like the rest of it's very good. I think honestly, um, the fight between them, but then that panel itself is, it seems very weird. Just doesn't look right to me, but yeah, they fight. And then Punisher's like, I'm going to, I'm going to quote unquote cheat. But like, if you're fighting someone like, like, like Azrael, is that really cheating or is that just winning? I never, I never considered that that was cheating. Exactly. Same here. Exactly. It just seemed like to me, he won something Punisher would do. I don't have much, I don't have much knowledge on the character, you know, outside of, uh, sure. A Thomas Jane movie. (laughs) I read a couple of comics back when I was younger, but that's, that's about it. I don't know a whole lot about the Punisher. So like, I haven't even seen the Netflix show yet. And I'm, I'm really bummed that I haven't watched the show yet, man. Yeah. 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 It feels all right. It's just, it's just Bernthal being like, oh, it's just, that's basically the show in a nutshell. It's not, I think the show is really not that great. Like it's, I mean, if you love the Punisher and you love superhero like shows, then maybe you watch it. But you know, if you have nothing else better to do, I guess, but I feel it's long winded. And I like John Bernthal. I think he's a very electric uh, guy. He's got screen presence. But apparently yeah, it's been out for a few years and I haven't watched it. So how much do I really want to like, am I committed to it? You know, did they ever make a sequel to that or a second season? They did, they did two seasons and then pulled the plug just like they did on all those series. Oh, that's right. I never saw the second one. Hmm. 
Yeah, okay. I'm good though. I don't need it. <laughs> I'm good. So I'm you good. already you already said it. I mean, kind of, but um, yeah. is the the fight your favorite part of this this book? No, no, no. no. Your favorite part. My favorite part actually is when Azrael uh, Batman uh, comes and saves uh, Punisher from the church in the church. Yeah. Nice. Because that's probably, I think, the best art of the whole comic book, to be honest. Okay. Well, nice. Though, though I will say, and I, I'm curious what you think, is I don't like Visor uh, masked John Paul Azrael Batman. I love just the two red uh, two red eyeballs of um, of Batman's original, uh, that that costume. I hated, always hated when it went to like the more Visor like mask. I hated that thing. Which is what we get in this. Mm-hmm. Not my um, favorite. I think. I think that I, like my favorite part is probably their fight against each other at the end. It's, it's solid. It's a solid fight. Yeah, it's all right. How about a favorite panel? Definitely going with the. It's a little bit of a cheat because it's basically a splash <gasps> you page. Cheated, with like a, Punisher. I. I oh, <laughs> No, exactly. That's exactly what I did. I just pulled the Punisher. Oh man, this book maybe is better than we thought. Um, no, it's it's not. It's not good. It's not the worst comic in the world. It's not very good. Um, no, but my favorite uh, panel is basically it's a splash page with a second pa- uh, panel over over uh, overlap or over going over top of it. But I'll say it's my favorite panel. It's it's, it's basically a splash page. It's the page where Azrael Batman's coming through the church window, breaking it and saving Punisher. That is a beautiful uh picture i think that is a beautiful splash page or page or if you want to say if you want to say it's a, a panel uh it's a great great drawing i think um hey, paul, paul. Hmm. samesies <laughs> oh dude yes it's a it's you gotta admit that's a great picture yeah it's pretty cool i i like it and I, I can't imagine like the the headache of drawing like every piece of broken glass and that as well, you know, and, and even though that suit, like, I remember when this suit debuted, I got that mm-hmm. issue. Um, so do when I. that came out and I was like, awesome, that's going to take down Bane. And then I got annoyed with the suit because it was just like mm. it's a big piece of metal. And I'm like, that's just yeah. kind of, eh, or whatever. So I still have those feelings with it. And it just also sometimes depends on the mood on if I think it's cool or I'm kind of, it kind of annoys me. And just that image I think is really cool. It's really strong. Mm-hmm. It's very Batman. Uh, I, I like it. No, I think that's well said actually, because it is a very Batman pose despite the suit. And I think that's why it works, right? Because it's very Batman, the Cape and the, and the cow or the cow and the Cape, or if you want to call it the cow, um, and his pose and, and breaking through the window. It's a, all that's all Batman to a T despite, you know, how much the costume doesn't look like the, you know, the OG costumes. And so I, I didn't mind the costume to be honest. It's again, it's just a visor mask. Never. I never liked that visor. So, but besides that, um, I like the costume for the most part. And this picture is beautiful. Kitson's best by far the best drawing in the whole book. Excellent. And some connective tissue at the end, which was actually, I think this would almost be like a, a post credit scene is mm. as Batman ties up uh, jigsaw to take up to, and then leaves to go fight Punisher Joker sneaks in and we get a tease of kind of like Joker's. Well, we're kind of left of like, 
I, well, first of all, I do like this dialogue where Joker looks at him and yeah. says, "Is that a is that a face or a roadmap?" Yeah, um, I do. I did like that as well. I'll agree. That's that's good. Well, that's because Denny O'Neill knows how to write the Joker. Yes, absolutely. And I guess we're left there of like we don't know what Joker's going to do: cut him loose or or kill him, or, or, mark, him like up, or mark him up more. Yeah, mark him up more. And I like. I like that tease. And that's the connective tissue into the second book. Last note on this first one, though, um, when you put them up, when you pair them up, the two books, this DC published one is like a centimeter bigger than the Marvel published one. Really? Yeah. And then on the back of the book, it's Batman's symbol on the top, Punisher's symbol on the bottom. And uh, lastly, the paper is like a glossy paper. Now we switch over here to Punisher Batman, Deadly Knights. Really quick, really quick, really quick. I just want to say for the last thing I'll say about the, the, the previous book, uh, I think th- this might be Kitson's uh, Joker, might be the worst Joker I've ever seen, <laughs> ever. I wasn't impressed with the design. Like, I, I wasn't. It, yes, it was classic Joker in that, you know, the green hair, white skin, purple suit. But otherwise, kind of, yeah, it, it didn't do much for me. He looks like he's been like the, the his first panel of his introduction of Joker. It looks like he's been bodybuilding for like 50 years. And he looks like this huge, like bulky, bulky. dude. Yeah. yeah. Too bulky. Exactly. Too bulky. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. Nope, Continue. you're good. So then the sequel one, which came out in October of 94, Punisher Batman Deadly Knights, written by Chuck Dixon, artist. Ew. John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen. Hell yeah. Oh, buddy. Here we go. And then let's talk about... So this one is a centimeter smaller than the other one. However, the paper in this... And this is... I'm such a nerd, but this is like the old school style of paper. This is how I love my comic paper. There's mm-hmm. such a different look when it's not the glossy kind. And it's kind of like the mm-hmm. thicker the thicker mm-hmm. kind. And it also like... in. Justin Kowalski loves to smell them floppies. Well, like this, this just has like such like a paper scent to it also that I'm just like, yeah. ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not going to hide it. This is the complete opposite of the last book. And I didn't hate the first one. I didn't yep. hate it, but yep. I think that this one is freaking awesome. Yep. <laughs> we are. We are exactly the same. And, and, and to kind of talk about, this is definitely the Marvel version of the story, which again, I was t- talking to our, our good friend, Chris Clow and I was telling him I was going to be on the show and, and I, how much I did not like the first issue. And I very much liked the second one. And I was talking about, you know, Chuck Dixon is just a, he, that dude is, he's underrated in my opinion. Not, not enough people talk about how great he is. And uh, I was saying how it was interesting. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't know how much you know Marvel stuff he's done, or you know how much Punisher he did. But I really liked his voice as a Punisher when he wrote the Punisher. And Chris said, oh, that's because you know he wrote War Journal for a long time. And I went, oh, that's right. And I and it totally clicked to me. I remember now why they paired Dick, um, JRJR and Chuck Dixon and Klaus Jensen uh, or Johnson. Uh, for the story because they were doing Punisher war journal together for a long time. And I remember that now, but, Oh, and I thought they got Chuck Dixon because he wrote Batman, but he was doing both Marvel and DC at the same time. I went, oh, that's right. So that makes a lot more sense. Cause he knew the, he knew both characters pretty well, which you immediately 
like you get it, it's a vast vast difference between uh characterizations of punisher between o'neill and dixon i mean from one person who does not know the character to one who does it's like night and day in my opinion did you get the same feeling yeah there was well there was just like more attitude in this one and i kind of liked that because i definitely I mean, I guess I formed my own opinion of the Punisher, but he's just, you know, he's got some, he's got some attitude to him and his story should be like a little bit darker and not, not like saying something and then little wink, you know, like I I don't, I don't like the little winks and it's almost like the last, the first book seemed almost like there's like a little wink and I hope that makes sense because that's just kind of how I felt reading that one in comparison to this one, this one also. And I think that the, the style of paper it's printed on helps, but the book is moodier and just a little bit more dark. And it's like, that's when you have a story that is Batman and Punisher, it should be moody and dark. It's not like overtly gruesome, violent or anything, but of course there's violence because there's violence in Punisher stories and there's violence in Batman stories and Mm -hmm. their ideologies of how they attack and approach violence and use violence, like should clash in which they do. And I think that it's Mm -hmm. just like, each each aspect just hits like they just hit their points and i don't know what klaus jansen does for the art in this one i don't know because the colorist is christy shio uh so it's like jansen didn't do the coloring so what did he do with the art because i see john romita jr and everything you know i i don't i don't see klaus jansen of like oh yeah that's definitely klaus jansen oh yeah that part's definitely klaus jansen that's not like that's not trying to be disrespectful at all it's just i'm curious like what what was his involvement with the story because when i see the pages i see john romita jr you know so for the record john romita jr is one of my favorite comic artists ever mm-hmm. and he is over the last, I'd say, couple of years, he's definitely got a weird. His it, he developed his style, and I don't like it as much. Um, his '90s work, I think, is phenomenal, and this is deep uh, seated right in his wheel of like my favorite uh, JRJR wheelhouse of his art. And what I think, and he was he was with Klaus for a lot of these uh, a lot of his time um, with. Uh, in the nineties. And I think he probably would do the majority of the, uh, the majority of the pages and the layouts. And then, uh, but I think that he probably would add more detail. Klaus would, cause he's the inker. Like that's kind of the, what his, his role was. I mean, that's Klaus in general, right? Klaus is, you know, he's an artist, but he also, he does a lot of inking and um, him and, him and JRJR were together a lot. Like this, this, this artwork is basically the artwork I grew up reading in the nineties for Spider-Man and all over the place. And it's phenomenal. And Klaus is, so it's pretty much JRJR is, I think it's probably 75, 80% JRJR with Klaus probably adding a little more texture and detail with his inking and maybe a few more lines here or there potentially. Um, kind of giving a little more edge to the story, but this is vintage uh, JRJR work. And you're right. It's it's so it's mostly, mostly JR, but 
it's I'd say Klaus adds a little bit more touch to it that gives it that 90s beautiful feel that I love of the character. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if Klaus did his um J- the Spider-Man JMS uh run from the the relaunch in the early 2000s. I don't remember if he did that one or not. Uh if he was on that or not. It d- Maybe he did. I don't remember, but this, like how dark everything is as far as the, just not like I would say dark, uh, everything's dark tone, but there's definitely like this kind of a little bit darker edge to everything. I would say a little bit. Um, that seems to me Klaus and, uh, it's, that is where I would, cause I would say if you read some, some JRJR stuff's a little bit brighter, and it's because I think Klaus makes this a lot darker just by naturally. There's a like natural darkness to it and it looks fantastic. And uh, this art is phenomenal in my opinion. It really is. This is like a plus art. Yeah. I really, I really, really dig it. And the, the setup for the story is still, they still try to do a lot, but it, it's a little bit more seamless here in that we open up, we open up the book which actually I love. Let me just double check before I make this claim. That yeah, the first and last sentence in this in this book is Punisher saying, "I hate Gotham." Yeah. <laughs> I just find for some so reason happy. I find that funny. <clears throat> but the book it opens up like the inciting mm-hmm. incident is this massive shootout in a warehouse, and police are outside of the warehouse and everything, and uh, Punisher shoots. He finds he shoots some stuff up that explodes. So now we have a big explosion and a big fire. Mm-hmm. So he's there because he's trying to find, um, because Jigsaw never showed up in New York, which to him means so he's still here in Gotham. So he had to come back to Gotham, and it led his quote inquiries led him to a bunch of mooks, <laughs> mooks, who've been dealing with Snaggleface's new crew. So there's the connection. Oh, okay. I need to find Jigsaw. He's in Gotham. Uh, his his cronies are here. So then he blows up, the, like uh, he shoots some flammable stuff that makes an explosion. Well, Batman sees this. He he hears it. So then he goes back to the warehouse. Okay, that that is so much clearer than hey, somebody mm. stole some the formula for some fuel, whatever the hell that leads to this guy and that guy, and the two of them like they duke it out right here at the beginning. And this is like I'd mentioned earlier of, you know, Batman says, I know this one. He was in Gotham while I was absent, the Punisher Mm -hmm. and Punisher says he's more refined this time around. Um, He must've changed his personality when he changed masks and Punisher ends up getting away because like some, some stuff falls. uh, And Batman says like, he has to find out what brought, what brought Punisher to Gotham. So like right from the get go, it's really freaking clear to me of like where the setup, the setup's just there. And it's like, okay, I'm not trying to connect so many damn pieces here. In this case, Batman's was almost more simple than Punisher's, but yeah, Punisher's yeah. was pretty simple too. Punisher's just trying to find um, his nemesis that, that didn't come back to his city. Mm-hmm. I-, I like you love the fact that Punisher is just like, I hate Gotham. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you immediately understand you differentiate Batman and Punisher by the fact that Batman stays in Gotham. Cause he knows he has to fix Gotham, right? Like you, that's, you immediately understand that the Punisher 
doesn't like to be there. And you understand the fact that he, that his, his ideals are not to fix Gotham. It's just, it's, it's one track mind. It's, it's person specific, not place specific. And there's a, and that's, and that's, and it's crucial because they, you immediately tell the reader, if you're one or the other, that these are vastly different characters because then you have Batman coming in later saying that I'm here to fix Gotham. I'm protecting Gotham. And again, I love the fact that, that Chuck Dixon just does a great job of saying, Hey, like I'm going to give the reader an idea, even though we already know that again, you're not assuming that, but it, it kind of helps you set up the differences and understand like, okay, like you said, it simplifies things and you know, immediately without having to explain in, in pages, use the captions to explain what's going on as they're doing the action. Again, great comic book storytelling. The narrative is there. And, but even though they're doing something, you're talk they're talking about something else, but you're setting up other things, beautiful comic book storytelling. And Chuck Dixon immediately you, you get sucked into Punisher. Why is there in Gotham in the first place? And he's just laying out like immediately just I'm the Punisher got guns. I'm killing people and he's killing bad guys. And then I love the fact that that sets up the fact that, the fact that the police are there and you have commissioner Gordon there, you have a reason for Gordon to be there. And if Gordon's there, who else is there? Bullock. Right. Yeah, Bullock, <laughs> her name. But then you get the Batman. And again, that's, that is great storytelling. It's because it's exactly what you needed to have happen. You get these characters together and why, and you do it the way that naturally both characters would be introduced to each other. Punisher going into a warehouse, blowing away bad guys, and the police show up because someone's you know using Uzis to kill people, and it, they're alerted. And then if Commissioner Gordon's there, then Batman's probably not too far behind. So you naturally set up everything in the first what three pages, four pages, something like, it's yeah, beautiful. I mean, roughly, I'm not going to go through like, oh, actually, Paul, that was uh, five pages. But yeah, you get. Well, get it's well, it, well, if you think of it, well, because um, the actual comic is uh, a two page, uh, basically a two page spread. And it's so it's technically two pages, but it's almost or it's one page, but it's two pages. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's all it's all funky. When it comes to the digital reading or reading on the, yeah, on the, right, right, right. So that's, uh, as the story progresses, we, we get to live up on that tease of the Joker from the last, from the last issue. And Joker is mm-hmm. helping cla- in classic Joker fashion. He's messing up the way that the, the mob. Hold on. Is- hold on. We forgot. We forgot one massive crucial thing we didn't talk about. What did we not talk Batman about? Batman versus Punisher. Oh yeah. Because this is this is the difference. Okay. So I love that we get not one, but two Batman versus Punisher fights in this comic book. Because they fight in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Because Batman Punisher is about to blow someone away, and Batman like immediately hits him. And they just go at it. And it, I gotta say, uh Freaking JRJR and Klaus, just I love this fight. Like this is exactly what you pay money for a comic book to see, in my opinion. When Batman it comes from top, hits Punisher, Punisher is like this is just 
giving him everything he has. And you, you see the difference in fighting styles. And again, they talk about it a little bit in the narration again, talk, not, not necessarily saying what they're doing, but you know, kind of the, you're noticing the differences between the, the two characters, but you see it visually too, that Punisher is, he's tenacious. He is, he is very resourceful and, and Batman's resourceful, but he's a refined fighter. Frank is semi-refined, but mostly he's a full on, like he can just, he'll get the job done one way or another as we got a little bit of hint of that in the previous issue, but you see these two characters really go at it and they both understand each other's ideas of how they fight. And it's awesome. Like, I think this is a great, great fight. And, oh man, I love when, uh, yeah, I, it's not my favorite panel. So I'm just going to point it out right now, but it's a great <laughs> panel. It's when Punisher is punching Batman and it's him narration. His narr- he's narrating the, the panel and he says, he's a tough one. I can respect that. And he's, and he's, but he's catching, but Batman's catching his punch and he's throwing him over his shoulder on the next panel. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Their fight just seems uh, a little bit more. How do I want to say this? Just like a little grittier, a little almost like brutal, but which, but then I like step back because it's not like they're, it's like brutal. Like they're punching each other in the face and their noses are breaking and blood splattered everywhere. It just seems like both of them at the top of their game against each other. It It seems more realistic. Yeah. And it it plays out better than the fight we saw in the last book too. So I'm, I'm just, I'm with you. And I know that, I mean, they're two different books, but they're also like connected. It is kind of like one story. So of course I'm going to compare back and forth. So the in Joker fashion, as we move along, uh, I like the Joker is just causing chaos to the way that that the mobs are running the city and he's using Jigsaw kind of like as his puppet and Jigsaw sees it as like, hey, I'm going to rise in the ranks of the mob here in Gotham City and Joker's helping me do that. And Joker just likes disrupting how everything is is going. That's classic Mm -hmm. Joker and his his Joker. I don't know if you read the the dark Knight returns one shot of, uh, the last crusade. Okay. Yeah. I definitely see John Romita jr's Joker from that here. You know, like I see the similarities. I love that book by the way. Yeah. That's probably the last best. That's probably his best work in years is that book. Yeah. Love that book. Uh, I think he's bulk. He's still a little bulky here. Yeah, he's a little bulky here for sure. But I don't know. There's something about it of I, I just he's not so clean. And I think the other version of him, he was very, very clean. And here he's not. And I'm I'm better. Like, I don't know. I I like that. Better. Do you know what it is? Let me, let, me ex- let me explain how JRGR has a very he's very stylized. Right. Yeah. And if you've noticed that, like all his people are bulky. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of I think he even talked about that in his um in podcasts that he he drew people a little bit bigger, like everyone, even skinnier people are kind of more broad, like they're just kind of built a little bit bulkier. If that makes if that makes any sense. So Joker looks bulky, but he's still lean. And if you you can tell in his face. Yeah. So it's almost like by the face, even though it's he he's again it's stylized and he, he looks big because that's the way John Romita draws everybody. And a more broad sense, wide. Everyone's a little bit wider. Um, it still comes across as thin because his face is still thin. Yeah. 
Whereas Kitson's face looked like he had been eating cheeseburgers for like 50 years. Maybe he was because he's the Joker. I don't know. Yeah. But you, but you see, am I, does that make sense? Is that, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We're on the same, we're on the same page in all of this. We have no opposite opinions, really. Yeah, and I know, I know. The, the random thing brought in out of nowhere, and I'm not familiar on if he was a character at the time in the Batman comics. I've never heard of him before, but this, like, uh, I think it's, I don't know if his first name's Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Navarone. He pops in out of nowhere because yeah, he's a yeah. mob member. And, I mean, whatever. Uh, oh, something I didn't I didn't uh, mention was that Jigsaw's face is wrapped up in bandages, so he was Hush before Hush. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but it because Joker Joker set him up with a doctor, probably the one from uh, Batman eighty nine, and the to get his face fixed, which ends up I'm not going to say it, it's alluded to later on too. It's not like it plays a crucial part of the story, right. but it is mentioned later on in the story. <clears throat> uh, Bruce goes undercover as Matches Malone. Always love a Matches Malone appearance to infiltrate Mr. Navarone and like where he's heading off to uh, to next. And he ends up in the same building as Jigsaw and his crew. And look at that. Frank Castle shows up and then Bruce is aware of this from outside of the club so then he he runs off comes back as batman and that's where like we get the big fight i love the frank as he's walking down the street and he says third stop in the all-night pub crawl because he's hopping all over looking for uh yeah where the club is getting tired of sitting outside and he's walking to the the place that jimmy navarone's in and matches is up against the limo and frank says the limo driver gives me the eye i give him indifferent low ranking gun. So <laughs> I, I like it. I don't know why I like it. I just think that it's like, it's no, just, cool. I agree. No, no. I'm like, dude, because that's, that's Batman. yeah, that's yeah. It's so perfect. Oh God. Dixon, man. He's so, he's so great. It's good. And jigsaws, uh, bandages come off. Shit hits the fan and well, he's fixed. That's, that's a big deal. Like they fixed his face. They fixed his face for five pages but still like <laughs> i gotta give i gotta give him credit like that's i did not expect that i, I thought okay i thought he'd be more mangled because i because the way they set it up in the in the previous issue was joker was going to just um that's i thought he was either kill him you know or mingle him up more and then he was fixed yeah i went wow i thought that was a pretty daring thing for chuck to do to be he quite honest because he knew in five pages, Frank was going to throw a grenade that shatters glass, which then all of it hits Jigsaw in the face and F's up his face again. <laughs> but, but, but it worked. But see, again, it kind of sets up the, again, you set up the fact that Jigsaw is, he's thriving in Gotham. He got his face fixed. It's like, it's like almost like he's coming home uh, or, or he's, he's at his, his new home is like, this is where he's been waiting for to move up in the mob. It's like everything is, has been given to him in Gotham. Like Gotham is, is like, is his heaven, if you will. I mean, that's the way I've interpreted it. And I think the, the fixing of the face is that. And when, and again, great comic book storytelling because you set that up and then you, everything gets come, you know, comes tumbling down to reality when Punisher comes back and says, Nope, your face is effed again. 
Like, yeah. I think that's great. It was a great story. It's great st- comic book storytelling because yeah. you got limited pages to tell the story and you, and you get everything you point across visually and structurally the setup for a great finale at the end. Again, that's beautiful storytelling for comic books. It's a lot more seamless and it moves. It just moves a lot better than, than the first book too. And I, I love the, the switching off too. Cause of, so Batman and Punisher, obviously on the same side, taking out these mob dudes, even though they're not necessarily like, Hey, we're friends, we're allies. But then it's yeah. like, they, they switch off. Batman goes after Jigsaw. Punisher goes after Joker. Yes. I thought that was fun. I feel like that's, and that's kind of what should happen because it's like, we always yeah. see Batman go up against Joker. So yeah, let's switch it up. Switch it up. This, this damn Jigsaw guy has invaded his city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's what you want to see. You want to see them team up the, the, the trade villains. That's the fun of it. Right. So, and don't, don't be remiss to, also forget of the sidekick versus sidekick on hacking each other. That right. was a great touch. Yeah, I don't know anything about. Uh, well, what's his name? Micro is his name. I don't yeah. know anything Micro, about that, but, whatever his name is. But as yeah, which I didn't even mention of Micro on Punisher side has hacked into Navarone's system, but then Robin has too, and so it's almost like they're so. playing chess, chess against each other on infiltrating that stuff and who wins right robin wins which i'm surprised well, since this is like yeah. this is marvel's book and it was the other the other side's character one well and see this is where i think having a writer as good as chuck dixon who knows that every character he knew how how uh great tim drake was or uh-huh. is and I think he knew he needed, he needed like Robin should win because he's like the genius. I mean, he's Robin. If you're going to have a young person be with Batman as, as, as his like second in command or whatever, he needs to be a brilliant mind. And which again, micros is some overweight, like computer nerd, basically. Um, which again, like he's, 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 he's resourceful and you have Robin again, he's saying that as he's like, Oh man, this guy's pretty good. But then, you know, Robin beats him, but I think that's the way it should be because I always looked at Tim Drake as like, he is a computer genius and he, he of all of Batman's people, but he's the smartest of everybody. And that's always, and that's the way it should always be. If it's about brain versus brain, Tim should beat everyone around him, in my opinion. So it only to me, and that's what, again, the comics kind of set that up. Dixon's a, obviously a, a big reason of uh, Tim Drake's characterization to me this only fits the character so i love that as a tim drake fan it only made sense mm-hmm. yep i uh wholeheartedly agree i like the way that the book ends too of punisher is going to well mm-hmm. joker slips on a banana peel and then joker's gonna shoot him and batman stops him and tells joker <laughs> to run and then says, this may be your solution on your turf but in gotham we do things a little differently which leads to an amazing splash page of yes. Punisher just stalking Batman. And yes, I know that's my hero getting punched in the face, but it doesn't mean that it's not drawn really well. And it is. And I, is I like that too. Yeah, that's good stuff. And Batman just tells him like, I let you have that because you probably think I deserved it. And Frank goes in for another one and Batman catches his fist and says, I said one. Don't test me, Castle. You ever come here again and I'll see you in a cell out on Blackgate with the other murderers. 
or maybe Arkham would suit you better. In which Punisher says, you know, you and that giggling idiot deserve each other. And then just walks yes. away. And oh. I'm like, what a great ending. Good, great great ending. ending. He ends up, of course, with, I hate Gotham. <laughs> wow. God, see, this is a, these two comics are great examples of, of the, like, of the medium done well and not done as well. And mm-hmm. I don't, again, I want to trash Danny O'Neill because he knows how to write a, write a great comic book. The guy's amazing. Legend for because he, you could flat out say, "Oh, Denny O'Neill wrote this. I'll buy it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's about. Yeah. I don't know the reviews. Mm-hmm. I will buy it because he's he's really good." And I'm not even going to say that that last one is bad. It's not bad. It's just not great. But exactly, like it's 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 okay at best to me. And then to follow that one up with this one, it's like whoa. I think this is a great comic. Yep. Like straight up. Like like the the Marvel Punisher versus ba- or Punisher Batman story is a great comic because the writing is ex- like it's paced beautifully by the writing and what Chuck has set up and but I'm not sure if they did, did this Marvel style. I know JRJR loves to do Marvel style, which is basically he gets a plot and he gets a page by page plot or a plot of something. He basically storyboards everything and then the writer would then go in and write the dialogue afterwards. I don't know. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it, de- it definitely feels a little bit Marvel style because it is like structurally just paced beautifully by, by panels. And yeah, I think this is a greatly paced orchestrated comic book. It really, to me shows the, the power of the medium of again, the double page splashes, beautiful artwork, um, great visuals, just utilizing the medium, everything to a T and just fantastic artwork. I, I think this is great, great art by JRGR. And again, I love the picture where Punisher's over uh, Joker and he's looking, you know, standing over him and Punisher just looks so big, so mm-hmm. thick. Yeah. And again, I know JRGR kind of like, he, he kind of wishes he didn't draw as the, everyone so bulky as he did in the 90s, but I like this. It just, I love it. I think he, he looks so daunting over Joker. And oh, I just love it. And he just knows how to, you know, because comic books are, are very influenced by film and, and, and everything. And I know JRJR loves movies and, and, and everything. He just knows how to set things up, man, and just draws things so cinematically. I just love it. I love, I love the panel where Frank shoves a gun in Joker's face and Joker's like, he's really going to do it. Like, I'm going to die. And Batman shows up. And the, the next panel after where Frank shoves a gun in Joker's face is a beautiful uh, panel of Joker and, or Batman taking Joker's or Batman or Punisher's gun. And just, you don't see the, the, the bottom part of Batman's face still dark. Oh my God. It's just, Oh, it's so good. That is just, just that's comics to like why I love comics right there, man. That is just beautiful storytelling and visuals. So yeah, phenomenal. I love it when he throws the gun in Joker's face and Joker does have like almost like a scared look on his face. He's not happy about it. And it's like, that's great yeah. too. In the sense of like, if Batman was doing it, Joker would be laughing and encouraging him because it's like, cause if you shoot me, then I've won because I made you cross your cross the line that you won't cross. Well, what happens when it's the Punisher who will cross that line? And it's not a big deal to him. It's like, well, that's not fun anymore. That's not a good joke. Like that sucks. And I like that's such a small detail. It's one panel, but it's like that speaks to me. I think it's I think it's great. Uh, Paul. No. Yeah. Yes. 
What's your favorite part of this book? Favorite part? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably, you know what? I'm going to say, there's a lot. There's, I like this whole comic a lot, to be quite honest. And I know I've said that, said that a lot. My favorite part is probably, uh, it's, it's, I want to say it's a tie. I'll give a slight edge. I do. I love all the Batman versus Punisher stuff. It's all done very well. Um, but I'm going to say probably when Punisher puts a gun up against Joker and Batman comes in and says, nope, like, like the way that shot, the way it's set up, it just, it perfectly shows the difference between every character on this page mm-hmm. or on these pages. And it's, it's, it's fantastic storytelling and the way it's drawn is just beautifully done. So nice. that's my favorite part. I really like the opening warehouse, everything I like. It's one page, but I like Batman and Robin in the Batcave. Something about it. I read it. I know it's Tim Drake, but it read very Batman, the animated series to me. Like I could hear Robin and Batman talking, Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester. I thought that was good. I like the big uh, bar fights and all that. But I think my favorite part is that that last exchange between Batman and Punisher. So good. Yep. Of like so where it starts of like that this may be your solution on your turf like that up through the end I just I think that's that's great I like it a lot. Uh, what yeah. about favorite panel? Ooh. Um. So this is a little bit of a cheat. Um. It's a two page spread connected kind of, but it's still technically one panel. It's the introduction to Batman. Uh. And I think this is a phenomenal picture of Batman and. Hey, same these yes yes wow i cut you off finish explaining no no you're fine you're fine no no please please oh me or me explain Uh, yeah you were explaining why and i interrupted you because i was overjoyed we chose the same panel it's phenomenal it's a phenomenal picture of again this is jrgr i think in his height of his art and this is just it it bums me out. We will never get this uh, drawing of uh, this time of, of JRGR doing Batman. I know he's done Batman in, and now and everything. And, and I do need to read his Tom King stuff. Um, but I think this is, is the height of his artwork. In my opinion, it was this era and it's a shame. We never got it at his, at his height, in my opinion. And this is a reason why this, this is a beautiful picture of Batman. It's just phenomenal. And I love it. And I love the white eyes and just the, the darkness of the face. Again, I love that look of Batman. It's great. Um, so yeah, this is uh this is great stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on all that. I love the, the darkness of Batman, the broodiness of Batman, the, his face is in shadow except for his white glowing eyes. The yellow oval, hashtag team yellow oval, Peter Vera. I, he's jumping off the building. Like, ah, uh, all this is just Batman and a total crotch shot because Batman's got a powerful crotch. Uh, I just, yeah, I think that one is as soon as. So, I mean, this is up there. And what's what's unique and different, too, is the way of this being a splash page is not like the normal way of horizontal, horizontal splash page. It's like. No, you got to turn, turn the book to get the splash that way. And it, it's like, that's a different way, but Punisher's reveal, Batman's reveal, and then the, the big punch at the end are all done in that way. And um, yeah, those mm-hmm. are some of the coolest panels of the whole book. So yeah, a job well done by John Romita Jr. Uh, yes. Final thoughts on 
uh, Batman Punisher and Punisher Batman, Paul. Um, the first part, not great. Second part, very great. And <laughs> you essentially just, just read the last part, the Chuck Dixon Marvel version. You could just do that and be fine. Um, uh-huh. if you're a completist, like me and a lot of other people, you want to read both, read both. You'll be just really confused and baffled how they could put this out for the issue. The first issue, second issue is just a tour de force, uh, Batman Punisher comic book. It's drawn beautifully. It's written beautifully. It's inked beautifully, lettered beautifully. It's just a beautiful comic book. It really is. It's a very, very good comic. And I can't recommend this one enough. I know it's hard to find. You could wink, wink, nudge, nudge, find it on the internet somehow. Won't say how, but you can find it. Cause let's be real. Marvel and DC at this point, at this point, aren't we aren't going to be reprinting this stuff anytime soon, but I wouldn't be shocked if we, if they do at some point, I would not be shocked. Uh, I'm with you. I think you like the first book less than I do, but that's not even really saying like much of, I I think it is just okay. And more closer to the negative. Okay. Than the positive. Okay. Uh, the second book is the complete opposite. I think the second book is awesome. I think the art is better. I think the story is better. Uh, I don't know a lot about the Punisher, but I feel like what I do know of him is displayed a lot better in that second book than the first book. I prefer Bruce Wayne Batman more than John Paul Valley Batman. So I think every in every aspect, that second book is better than the first. But I am not... I do not regret reading that first book and I'm glad I bought both. And I think when I do revisit them again, I'll read them both because I mean, whatever the first one takes, you know, 20, 30 minutes to read. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then it's, you know, kind of sets up for the next one too, but yeah, you can read that second one and you won't be lost. It's, it's totally fine. So, uh, these are great. These are great choices. I'm glad that you chose these Paul Herman. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you. And, and, and hopefully we've, we've got a, a, I know it. I'm going to tease it. I'll just tease the war. We are going to eventually do a, a really big show. Maybe not as big as I wanted to do originally, but it's going to be a fun show when we eventually do our uh, eventual episodes, mm-hmm. which I'll wait. We'll wait for that one. But I I'm, I, I'm assuming Ryan, you'll hopefully have me on for future uh, uh, Marvel DC crossover stuff that we can read. Uh, and share because there's a lot they're not like the greatest comics all the time as we can see with the denny o'neill one but there are some gems there are some fun things in there and and i would love to talk more marvel versus dc stuff because they are they are fun to read and and to revisit yeah and especially it's because spider-man's my number two superhero oh wait ninja turtles Turtles are superheroes if 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 people want to classify ninja turtles as superheroes then they're number two but if not then spider-man's number two so I'm really excited to read that one whenever I can uh, get my hands on. Is that one or two issues? There's two. There's I two. didn't know there was two. In, yeah, I I didn't know there was two until um, like, like years later. I was like, what? There's two of these? Oh, crap. Gosh. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll be coming back to this coming back to this show. I'm glad I didn't have to make it awkward here and say, uh, actually, Paul, you're not invited to come back. So that would be weird. <laughs> Very weird. Thing I said, Ryan. Okay, your show sucks. You're terrible. <laughs> Very no, elementary. No. Um, where can 
where can people follow you and you have, what would you like to plug? I know we talked comic binge, but um, plug away on anything you want. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Herman 22 uh, with two N's, AKA P thug. You can also find me on uh, the uh, MCU fan show where I, I I'm probably known the best at, I would say uh, Sean's uh, Gerber's podcast about you know, covering the uh, Marvel cinematic universe. I've been on uh, podcast with Sean for since 2011 and uh, almost will be 10 years. I just realized that. Cause it's, Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's been, yeah. Cause it's 2011. I think I, I jumped in. Um, I only know that because I remember, Oh, it's a long story. Um, but yeah, this, I gotta tell Sean, that I had no idea. This is kind of an epiphany. I mean, we've been podcasting the other, you know, pretty much for off and on for 10 years, man. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. So yeah, decade. So yeah, that's one of the one that probably people mostly know me from. So definitely check me out there. Uh, it's mostly Sean's Sean's gig, but he kind of has me on because I, I love Marvel comic books and the characters. So I, you know, it's nice to have someone who knows a little bit about the comics on there. And Sean knows a lot too, but um, you know, just, he has me on. He, 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 he indulges me. appreciate it. Uh, and then uh, my star Wars podcast, my, uh, I love star Wars a lot. And uh, you can find my podcast, the saga continues uh, where I was, a uh, I joined the show about three, four years ago, two, three years ago, I should say um, with my very good friends, uh, Kyle and Tim. They're very good friends. Tim's also a giant uh, Batman fan, by the way. I'm not sure if you knew that Ryan, Tim is, a, has his own podcast. Um, and uh, you should definitely check his show out and and have him on because Tim's awesome. He also loves Ninja Turtles too, by the way. Um, yeah, Tim Jirasi. So we follow that guy. He's awesome. Um, very good friend of mine. And so yeah, find me on obviously the comic binge. We're on Twitter at binge comic, and you also find us on our uh, Apple uh, iTunes show, just the comic binge. And yeah, and hopefully I have lots of uh, exciting things coming out this year that I hope to announce in the next uh, probably before the end of the year. Um, my goal is to have a couple things announced before then. We'll see what happens. Sweet. Well, I told you where you can follow this show on the Twitter and the Instagram at the Batman BC. Write in for any questions or comments at the Batman BC at gmail.com. Uh, I also have reviews written up over on Batman on film.com. Make sure to check those out, including how I'm diving ahead into uh, the future state that's taking over DC in January and February. And, Something that's really fun. Me and those rascals at uh, Straight Out of Gotham podcast are going to do some crossover episodes about the future state here in January and February. So pay attention to the Twitter feeds for that. The also in another surprise, I don't think I want to mention the name because I get cursed if I mention names. Uh, but the next episode that will probably be dropping here in the next couple days is an interview with somebody that has written some comics with Batman. What? But you're going to have to wait and hear about about that. Um, and yeah, and lastly, like I said at the top of the show too, if you would be so kind and rate and or review the show on Apple Podcasts, that would really help the show spread the word. The link to the Apple Podcast page is in the description of this episode. So for Mr. Paul Herman, I am Ryan Lauer. Read more comics and read more Batman comics. <laughs> <laughs>